Well, whether you're watching online or you're here with us, I want to say uh, good morning. And since I wasn't with you last week, happy new year. Everybody can't get much worse this year, right? Well, that's what I thought. Uh, Somebody say hi ring in my new year. Uh, My family and I decided to take a little getaway someplace warmer, sandier. Um, So we drove uh, about six hours south um, to the Outer Banks in North Carolina. Very beautiful. No one's down there. It's kind of like you had the place to yourself. Uh, And I had a goal. I was... uh, I was going to catch something. Uh, you guys would have been so impressed. I, I had the pole in the, in the pole in the sand. I looked like I was going to catch something. Uh, I had some waders. Um, I was out there knee deep. Uh, people who drove by in four by fours, I would do like the fisherman nod. I don't know if you know, but there is one. Uh, it's kind of like the Jeep wave, but it's like more, more very, very masculine. Uh, nod real heavy. Uh, I was going to catch something. Uh, it's been four days out there. Breezy, wet, just I'm gonna catch something. It's a good way to start a year. Uh, the only thing I caught was an inner ear infection. Um, lo and behold, uh, not even a bite. Um, just caught an inner, inner ear infection. So I uh, just want to let you know that uh, there's going to be times, uh, just bear with me, where I'm going to be sipping on something to drink. Um, after I found out at 9 a.m., the good thing is uh, when you can't really hear well, um, I have no idea if you laugh at my jokes. Uh, so it's going to be a good day for all of us uh, as we continue in our series uh, called Relationship Killers. Virgil kicked it off last week, and uh, in this series, we are taking a look at some of the characteristics that are very detrimental to our relationships. And now when we, we, we say that word relationships, when we talk about that, that, that term throughout this series, I, I would invite you to avoid thinking of maybe that one individual that, for lack of better terms, you're in a romantic relationship with, right? Because when we hear the term relationships, we may naturally think of that boyfriend, that girlfriend, that fiance. We, we may tend to think about that husband or that wife, uh, but But the relationships we're talking about in this series involve that, but it's also more encompassing than that. When we speak about relationships in this series, I want you to think about all the people that you are connected to in your life. I I want you to think about your kids. I want you to think about your grandkids, uh, your your cousins, really anybody in your family. I want you to think about uh, your coworkers, your clients, your customers, your your patients. I want you to think about uh, your friends, your best friends, your sometimes friends. I want you to think about all of those relationships. Because so much of our well-being is connected to our relationships. So much of our well-being is connected to the the condition that those relationships are in. And so as we kick off the new year, I think it's wise to talk about those traits that can be just so damaging to our relationships. And so today we're going to talk about a relationship killer known as pride. Pride. Now, Now, when I say pride, when we talk about pride today... We need to know that that there is a difference between the type of pride that is actually very, very destructive to our relationships and having pride or having satisfaction in something. For example, the other day, my my family, we were putting away all of our Christmas items and I was across the house, but there's a real straight shot uh, from the laundry room where I was folding laundry uh, to our living room. And I looked in there and I saw a three and a half foot uh, wrapping paper tube and I saw my two and a half year old son approach it. And then he, he picked it up, and I'm not a genius, but I would say he, he pulled it back roughly three and a half feet away from his six-month-old sister's head, who was crawling towards him. Uh, and it's one of those moments where you know something bad's going to happen, and you know you just, it's like you're running in mud. Like, you're not even going to get there fast enough. So I knew, like, oh, poor Evelyn, he's going to tee off on your face. Uh, but, but in that moment, as I'm approaching my son, he looks down, he smiles at his sister, and he actually sets the tube down. 
And I sat there and I thought, I am so proud of my son. You know, there's nothing destructive about that type of pride. Or maybe when you think of pride, you think about your own life and you think about the pride that you've, you've had in yourself for maybe some accomplishments, uh, something that you've done in your life, you're really proud of that. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's not uh, destructive. That's not uh, negative towards our relationships. But the type of pride that is an absolute relationship killer, it's the type of pride that's all about conceit. It's a type of pride that, that you see someone in and you have an excessive opinion of your own dignity. You have an excessive opinion of your own importance or merit. The type of pride we're going to talk about today, the type that's a relationship killer, is, it has to do with superiority over other people. The type of pride that we're going to talk about today, it's honestly, it, it's arrogance. It's the, the inability to ever find fault in yourself, in your actions, in your words, in your thoughts. It's it's deadly self-centeredness. The type of pride that we're going to talk about today that's just destructive to our relationships is essentially self-worship. That's what pride is. It's self-worship. And some of the ways that we see pride rear its ugly head in our relationships is, is through words. Now, what about you? You do the same thing, only more. You're crazy. I know what I'm talking about, but you have no idea what you're talking about. Both this service and last service, couples shot a look at each other. Um, that's why we're doing this uh, series, folks. Uh, here's one that I've heard people often argue about, even in front of me. They say, everyone we know would say that I am right and you are wrong. Why don't we ask them? Right? People do that. You're so off track. Just like usual, you're missing the point and so forth. But you see, pride isn't just reflected outwardly in our speech towards others. Uh, it's not even reflected just outwardly towards our, our actions. It's all about the thoughts we have, the posture of our mind and heart, before the, that pride even manifests itself as words. Pride is that knee-jerk reaction that, that someone else must be at fault, that, that surely that someone else didn't think of all the things that, that, that you thought of. It's a thought that, that your way is right, your way is always best, and, and people are ridiculous. How do they not see that? Pride is about thinking the rules don't apply to you. Thinking that you can do whatever you want without any sort of consequences, and everybody else just has to live with it. Pride is about thinking only of yourself, never even slowing down to consider somebody else's feelings, to consider somebody else's well-being, and in fact, you can't because you're so consumed with your own. And the reason we're talking about this today is because healthy relationships cannot thrive where pride is found. Healthy relationships cannot grow where pride is found. Healthy relationships cannot flourish. In my opinion, what I've seen is healthy relationships cannot exist where pride is found. Now, this week I was, uh, I was casually reading psychology today, and if that sounds really smart to you, understand the only reason I was reading psychology today is because it was delivered to the wrong house. Um, we, we did not order it. Uh, the people who lived in our house 15 years before us, uh, they, they weren't a Tiffany. Uh, but psychology today apparently thinks that one Tiffany has moved into our home uh, as I pulled out her magazine in the mailbox. Tiffany, if you're watching, <laughs> we have your magazine. We could probably work something out um, if you want. This just became some ransom. I didn't mean it like that, Tiff. Um, but anyways, I, I pulled out psychology today. 
And I was flipping through it, you know, as you would. Um, and, and I found this article actually by uh, Dr. Randy Gunther. And I looked up Dr. Randy Gunther, and she is a clinical psychologist and a marriage counselor who has spent over 100,000 face-to-face hours with couples and singles, helping them sort out conflict within their relationships. And I wanted to share a portion of this article with you because it's so insightful regarding today's topic of of pride, even from kind of a non-spiritual realm. Dr. Gunther writes, In my four decades of working with couples, I have all too often observed what the behaviors are that are consistently the most destructive. Egotistically prideful behavior is high on that list. People who suffer from this personality cluster behave as if they were superior to their partners. Or for today's discussion, we can think of how how pride impacts, this egotistical pride impacts all of our relationships. Now, certainly, it's, uh, it's easy to think about the most prideful person we know as we discuss this characteristic. In fact, I, I think for a lot of us, our knee-jerk reaction, when you heard me say, we're going to talk about pride and how damaging it is, you're like, oh, I can't wait to email this to my sister. Oh, I can't, I can't wait to see what Josh unloads today because Karen's going to get a forward. Um, you know, some of you are like, I, I'm going to send this to my spouse. They're, they're going to get this one. I, I know it's It's in all of us. Our knee-jerk reaction when we talk about something such as pride and how it can be detrimental to our relationships, we think ourselves the victim and we think about how much we wish somebody else would would, would hear this teaching. Uh, We we think about that boss uh, who who is demeaning. We think about that coworker who is always playing the blame game. We we think about maybe those parents who can see... um, nothing good about our lives or even our parenting style and how we're raising our children. We, we think about that person in our life that we just cringe when they come by because uh, they, they try to rule the roost with their demeaning attitude. I know it's easy to think about other people, but within all of us, we need to understand is the capability to be that kind of prideful person. None of us are perfect. We're all fallen. So, so inside of uh, all of us, we have the potential to be that prideful person. So I want to invite you to use today as an evaluation, or we can call it a spiritual uh, a mirror per se, uh, to take a look at ourselves and to make sure that we are straying as far away from pride as possible. Because once pride takes root in your life, it's such a hard thing to separate from. In fact, many times I don't even think we understand that we are within the grasp of pride and we go to friendship and friendship, relationship and relationship, and we can't understand what everybody else hasn't figured it out when what maybe we haven't figured out is that we struggle with pride. So let's use today as really a self-evaluation to kind of stay as far away from pride as possible. And, and thankfully, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about pride and how we can avoid its snare. I know when a lot of people think about the Bible, they think of a lot of red tape. And then think about a list of rules, and we've got to follow these rules. We've got to be on the good side of things. We don't be on the bad side of things. The Bible is just a way for us to make sure we can get to heaven and avoid hell. But the Bible is just so much more than that. And my goodness, how we interact with Scripture, it changes so much when we start to see that the Bible isn't just for an afterlife, it's for this life. And its pages are filled with so much wisdom for how we can live the best life possible right here and And one thing scripture does time and time again is it it points us, it directs us, like a big neon sign, how to have healthy relationships, how to avoid such relationship killers as as pride, which we're talking about today. I love that I can tell my my, my non-believing family or friends, you know, hey, scripture helps me 
have the healthiest relationships possible. It's not just a book for the afterlife. It's one for this life. And in Scripture, one of the most popular verses on pride, it comes in the book of Proverbs, which tells us, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness. It's, it's, it's a fancy term for talking about arrogance. Uh, comes before the fall. Now, if somebody's arrogant, don't call them a little haughty. Uh, that's not what this is referencing, right? But pride goes before destruction and arrogance, haughtiness goes before the fall. So what this is showing us is that while the, pr- the, the proud people, those who struggle with pride, they may have themselves up on a pedestal. They may be having all of this success. They may think they're better than everybody. They think they're, they're smarter than, than everyone. They're accountable to nobody. They're up here. They're so proud. What the scripture is telling us, and I think we've seen it happen, is that eventually those people are going to fall off their pedestal. They're going to be brought low. Pride goes before the destruction. Arrogance, haughtiness goes before the fall. Eventually, if you are prideful, if you're holding yourself above everybody else, you're going to fall. It's going to be a long and lonely fall. And you're going to fall probably because of your own stupidity or your refusal to listen to anybody else or wise instruction. It reminds me of a story in history. It's, it's during the Battle of Spotsylvania in the Civil War. just happened a couple hours south. Uh, the Union general, his name at the time was General uh, John Sedgwick, and, and he was uh, proudly expect, uh, inspecting his troops, and, and he got down to one part, and it was kind of a hilly area in Virginia, and he looked over a fence, and, and he looked over this fence and, and down the valley, and the enemy was, was a good ways off. And his officers, they were kind of timid to, to speak to him because of how proud he was. They, they suggested that what he was doing was unwise, and then they said, perhaps, uh, General, you could duck down a little bit, and the general snapped back and said, nonsense. The enemy couldn't hit an elephant at this distance. Sedgwick then fell to the ground right after those words left his mouth. He was mortally wounded after being struck by the enemy who was a good ways off. Literally, pride went before the destruction. Haughtiness, this arrogance went before his fall. And we see that in our relationships, which is why pride is such a killer. Pride comes between not just our relationship with others, but even our relationship with God. When we think we're always right, we're never wrong, then we never ask God for forgiveness. We never receive his grace. And yeah, it does come between our relationships when we we cannot fully appreciate the people we do life with because we refuse to admit our failings, our shortcomings, and our quirks. Pride goes before destruction. This is what Proverbs 16, 18 tells us. Uh, But a lot of people stop there. It's a very popular verse, but but let's look at the verse uh, right after. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. And then just one verse over, verse 19. Better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. Better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. Now, throughout all the scripture, we see this very strong correlation between pride and humility. Pride and humility. If you want to, some of you in your your Bibles, you can go to the very back. There's keyword searches. I'll tell you where to find certain things. And you can search humility or you can search pride. And what you're going to see is is more often than not, those two are correlated all throughout Scripture. Because Scripture is trying to get us here in our lives today to understand this idea that if you want to avoid the fall of pride, I mean, who doesn't? If you want to avoid the fall of pride, then pursue a path of humility. If you want to avoid the fall of pride, then it's quite simple. In your days, you need to choose to pursue a path of humility. Now, you cannot be both humble and prideful at the same time. It's like water and oil. The two cannot exist together within your heart, within your mind, within your thoughts, words, and actions. 
And here today, uh, right now, and as we leave here and we go and we take part in all kinds of relationships that a life has to offer, uh, we get to choose. We get to choose. Do we want to be prideful, knowing destruction will be on the horizon? Or do we want to live in humility? The choice is ours. Now, the Apostle Paul, who was an early church leader, he, he wrote to all kinds of churches to give them encouragement, to give them instruction in their life on, on which path to take. He gave them correction at times. And in one of his letters, he wrote to a church in a city called Philippi, and he gives them these words of wisdom regarding our discussion today on pride, and he also references humility. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Plain and simple. Paul tells us to walk away from pride, not just for the sake of walking away from pride, but you walk away from pride by pursuing humility. Paul wrote to a lot of churches who are in conflict during this day and age, and I think he would say the same thing to all the churches and Christians who are in conflict with one another. And he knows how much damage can be done in relationships if pride is what both of us pursue. But he also knows that the healing that can happen, the unity that can take place when we pursue humility. And he goes so far as to highlight two very practical ways for us to avoid pride and pursue humility in our relationships. The first thing he says is think of others as better than yourselves. Think of others as better than yourselves. If you want to avoid pride in your relationships, do your part and think of others as better than yourselves. I've also heard this said that, that this doesn't mean that you think less of yourself, but you think of yourself less as you think of others more. Paul says, think of others as better than yourself. This doesn't mean that you think less of yourself, right? But you think of yourself less and you use that same mind space, that same time to think of others more. And honestly, I know from my own flawed life that we don't drift in this direction, Right? We don't just wake up every day and say, I'm going to do nothing and look at me. I've floated towards humility. No, we tend to drift towards pride. We, we tend to drift towards this idea that, that we are actually better than others. We may not come out and say, I'm better than others. But if you were to lay out all the time in your day and how much you think of yourself and how much you think of others, what we would then come to believe is, look at that. I guess I do think of myself better than others because I think of myself all the time. I rarely think of other people. We've got to be careful. Paul says, think of others as better than yourself. That's a way to walk in humility and avoid pride. That reminds me of a story that former President Ronald Reagan once told about one of the most embarrassing moments during his presidency. And in President Reagan's own words, he said, I once addressed a very large, a very distinguished audience in Mexico City. And after I finished my speech, I sat down to a rather scattered and unenthusiastic applause. Nobody seemed to care. And then get this, the president went on to say, Ronald Reagan, he says, I was somewhat embarrassed by this, but even more so when the next man who spoke, a representative he was of the Mexican government, he was speaking in Spanish, which I didn't understand. I was even more embarrassed because he was interrupted virtually every other line with the most enthusiastic kind of applause. So to hide my embarrassment, president said, I started clapping before anyone else and longer than anyone else. Until our ambassador leaned over and said to me, President Reagan, I wouldn't do that if I were you. He's interpreting your speech. <laughs> you know, the world would, will tell us 
The world absolutely tells us that one of the ways to ensure great relationships in your life is to promote yourself, elevate yourself, look out for yourself, think of yourself as more important than others. Be prideful. What's wrong with that? But when we read scripture, what we see is that the way of faith tells us that the path towards great relationships is solely found in humility. So Paul tells us, think of others as better than yourselves. But he also says the second thing. He says, take an interest in others too. Think of others as better than yourselves and take an interest in others too. Now, if you do a little uh, search on um, the city of Philippi in Greece uh, during this day and age, uh, what you'll see is that the, the, the city of Philippi was what we would call a cosmopolitan city in Greece. It, uh, meaning it had a tremendous amount of diversity with a lot of people from various backgrounds. So Paul knows what he's asking this church to do. He's asking them to set aside their pride and their pursuit of just their own interests, to actually look into the lives of other people and care about other people. He knows that's not going to happen naturally. It hasn't happened naturally. So he instructs them, just like he instructs us a few thousand years later, to supernaturally pursue the interest of others. Humbly look into the lives of other people and, and come alongside them. Get to know them, championing what they're trying to pursue. But I want to be clear, we don't walk away from pride and towards humility just so we can have good relationships. Although, undoubtedly, that will be a byproduct of this pursuit. Ultimately, the reason that we choose to walk away from pride and to pursue humility is because that is the example that Jesus Christ set before us. That is the example Jesus set before us. That's why we do it. Not just to have peace in our relationship, although, yes, that is a byproduct of it. But it's because it's how Christ lived and it's how we should live. Paul continues on uh, in that church, uh, to that church in Philippi in the book of Philippians, and, and he gets to verse 5. And I read this week, I had no idea of this until coming in, but I was researching this, and there's a lot of scholars who believe that what we're about ready to read, which some of you know pretty well, it was actually a hymn that was sung by uh, the early church. It was a, it was a beautiful, intentional song that, that early Christians uh, would, would sing to remind themselves of the attitude that they should take up in this world because of the example that Jesus set before them. So here's those words. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of, of highest honor and gave him the name above all their names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, above everything else, above everything else, we should do everything within our power to walk in humility in our relationships and avoid pride because that is the example that Jesus set forth for us. That is how he treated us. So I want to ask you, what would it look like in the relationships that you have, even though they're all, all of them and even how different they are, what would it look like in your relationships if you genuinely pursued this? If you made this a priority to, 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 to think of others, don't think so highly of yourself, but if you made it a priority to, to think of others as better than yourselves and you started taking an interest in other people, what would that look like in your relationships? Paul just told us, he said, Jesus could have clung to a certain status. He could have been prideful. 
uh, but he didn't. Instead, he humbled himself for our sake. And when we think about how Jesus relates to us in humility, we have to ask ourselves, well, did we deserve it? No. When we see how Jesus uh, responded and, and related to us in humility, did we earn it? No. Well, did Jesus uh, humble himself to be a part of our lives because he saw it was something that we would first display for him, so now he would reciprocate it? Well, no. He, he displayed his love for us while we were still sinners, while we were still messy, imperfect, undeserved people. And so just as we could not have earned anything from Christ, the people we are in a relationship with should not have to earn the right for us to repent of our pride, pursue humility, and serve them and love them just as Christ loves us. Now, I want to be, be clear about this next part, because I don't know all the relationships you have, but undoubtedly, I'm sure, like me, you have unhealthy ones in your life, people who are just so, so prideful it hurts you. And as we talk about our relationships, we talk about walking away from pride and serving others with humility, I want to be clear that this doesn't mean you give people the re routine opportunity to treat you poorly. This doesn't mean that you give uh, people who may be subjecting you to abuse or manipulation uh, chances over and over again, and, and you call that humility. Because sadly, this call to humility can be, be distorted by people who just want to gain control over your life. We see this in toxic churches, in, in toxic marriages, toxic business partnerships, toxic families, toxic friendships. So if you're involved in, in, in some situation, some relationship like that, I want you to know that the call to set aside our pride for the sake of others, it does not mean that you have to set aside your innate value in the eyes of God. There are certainly some people in all of our lives that's just not going to reciprocate what, what Christ calls us to display in our relationships. We all have some hard-headed people in our lives, I trust that, and, and no matter what, there's some people, no matter how hard we try, they won't pursue humility, and they're just going to remain prideful. And, and hear me out, outside of prayer, there may not be much you can do for that prideful person who is causing conflict in your life. At times in my life, just like I'm sure in yours, there are prideful people that we have dealt with, that we are dealing with, and there's nothing we can do about it because there are some wrinkles in people's lives, such as pride, that can only be ironed out by the hand of God. Some things, such as pride and these other relationship killers we'll talk about in this series, will not be eradicated from somebody's heart until they take their heart, they take their life, and they put it in the hands of God. So that's just a little caveat, but I don't want to spend too much time talking about those people that we have no control over, because this is not a, a teaching about that which we can't control. This is about us. This is about what we can control in our relationships. And so suppose you're here with your significant other or, or friends, family, people you're in a relationship with, uh, or you're watching at home with those same folks, I want you to, to envision how much better your relationships could be if, if all of you or both of you, if you made the decision every morning to reject pride and pursue humility in that relationship. How much better would that be? You're not going to drift that way. You've got to be disciplined. So, so what would that look like? If both of you, if your entire family, your friends, your business partners, if you genuinely thought of the other person as better than yourself and you took a deep interest in the other person's life, if you made the decision to mutually set aside your own privileges and you, and you sought to serve the other, I'd say some of those beautiful relationships I've ever seen in this life are two people who are trying to outserve one another. It's beautiful. You see, we avoid pride 
only by pursuing humility. And in that, we have the chance to have some of the best relationships we'll ever have on this side of eternity. How much different would your relationships be with your coworkers, with your friends, your clients, your customers, your patients, if, if you took up the humble attitude of Christ? Not because you expect to be treated the same way, because certainly Christ didn't have the humility he treated us with reciprocated by everybody. The guy was nailed to a cross. He's still today rejected by millions of people. But what if you treated others the right way simply because it's the right thing to do in the eyes of Christ? Simply that. Because it's the right thing to do based on the example we see that Jesus set before us. Now, I want to be clear. We li- I know we live in a fair world where everybody gets a trophy, but when we start talking about serving other people with humility, one thing we have to know, it's not going to be fair. As you pursue humility in, in all of your different kinds of relationships, it will not be fair. Not everyone gets a trophy. And you need to know that. But the, the whole crux of our faith uh, is, is grace, right? And grace isn't fair. But yet because of the grace of Jesus displayed for us on the cross, a death we don't have to face, we get what we don't deserve. That is not fair. Grace is not fair. So no, treating others with humility and avoiding the destruction of pride in our relationships I need you to know it will not always be fair, even though it's always the right thing to do, but it will always be worth it because we are ultimately doing it for. We're doing it for Jesus and the people he died, the people he died for, even though it's hard for us to live among them. You see, setting aside our pride and and pursuing humility, it it takes practice in our relationships. It's, It's like a muscle. Humility is... Walking away from pride is like a muscle that we have to build up to endure the strength that it takes to have healthy relationships. And so this, in the parking lot, at lunch, this afternoon, next week, whatever it is, next time you consider yourself feeling annoyed with another person or, or being dismissive or, or irritated, thinking yourself better than them, I want you to consider if your pride is getting in the way. And in that moment, you have the power within you to pivot away mentally. And in that moment, seek Jesus, who was the definition of humility. In that moment, stop thinking of yourself better than the other person. Stop weighing how many times you've been right, they've been wrong. Honestly, stop trying to find patience within your own strength. Take that moment, go to God, reflect on Jesus' way of living, and thank him for displaying the ultimate way that we can have healthy relationships in our life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for showing us the way to have healthy relationships. May we all uh, see scripture as not just this out-of-touch novel to heaven, but specifically in this series as a blueprint to show us how to have the best relationships possible. It won't always be easy. I think we've driven that nail in today, but we know by the example you set up before us that pursuing humility in all of our relationships will be worth it. And so grant us the peace to to understand the pride and humility in our own lives. Allow us to control what we can control, but, but also grow us in grace, grow us in love, grow us in patience as we endure people who are not choosing the same path we do. No matter how they choose to respond, may we be accountable to our behavior in front of you. And may we love that prideful person well. May we love them with humility. Not so we look like the right person, but may we love them well and with humility so they can get a taste of your patience and your love. And it's in your name, the name of Jesus we pray.
Amen.